Rachel, and good morning, everybody. So good to see you um, gathered together for worship. And um, we are going to start going through verse by verse through the book of Acts starting next week. Uh, but this week is sort of a freebie, and what I want to do is I want to take uh, and, and sort of look at the first few chapters of Acts, and I want to pull out some of the... Um, some of, some of the best practices that the early church had. And uh, I, I felt led this week to, to, to look at what, what are the things that we see the early church doing that we should emulate today as the church, as a local congregation here in Conroe, Texas. And uh, so that's what I want to do this morning. So we're going to jump around just a, just a little bit, but I want to take some of these principles and I want to look at the early church and I want to sort of uh, encourage us and maybe cast some vision, if you will, for what our church could and should look like as we gather together and as we are scattered throughout the week. And uh, I want to call this message, the church we need to be, the church we need to be. And the idea of this sermon, and really the whole idea of the book of Acts is this, that the church is to continue the ministry of Jesus. The church is to continue the ministry of Jesus. And I see this in, in, the, very first, um, in the very first verse of Acts. You know, Luke is the author of Luke and Acts, and he wrote this as a, um, a two-volume work. He put Luke and Acts together, and, uh, and, and you heard it read where he says in one one in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So the, the whole gospel of Luke, then, is what Jesus began to do and teach. And he's writing, Theophilus was probably uh, the, the guy who funded Luke's uh, project for him to go and record these things and write this, uh, this um, uh, two-volume work of what Jesus has done. And um, so the, saying, though, that this is all Jesus began to do and teach that shows us and implies to us that what we're going to see in the book of Acts is what Jesus continues to do. So you see, the, the book of Luke is what Jesus began to do and teach. And then what happens in Acts, because it is a two-volume work, it starts with Luke and then we go to Acts. And so Acts is what Jesus continues to do and teach, except something a little different happens. Um, Jesus is no longer physically present on the earth. So how can Jesus continue to act? How can Jesus continue to teach if he is no longer present on the earth? Well, the answer is then found throughout the book of Acts. Because what happens is the Holy Spirit descends upon the church and then we see the early church acting out. The early church continuing to do and to teach the ministry of Jesus, what he did and what he taught. So do you see, then you and I today are um, implicated in this, if you will. You, you and I today, as continuing to be a part of the body of Christ, our local expression here, you and I are a part of this. We get to continue the ministry of Jesus. So that's our role, that's our job, and uh, I want to see then in the book of Acts what the early church was doing that you and I should continue to be and to do as well, to continue the ministry of Jesus. We're a part of that. We see the church throughout Acts, we see the church growing, we see the gospel spreading, and as these things happen, it is simply the ministry of Jesus continuing. And now we, we can't get over that. 
as we go through the, the book of Acts, as we take it verse by verse, um, we, we cannot get over this reality that you and I get to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world today. Can you believe that? I mean, we, we could... Um, we could get so bogged down and caught up in the, you know, in the details and the, and the different things that have to happen within the church to kind of make it function, to make it structure. But, but we, cannot, um, we cannot get over the reality that God has called you and I to continue the ministry of Jesus. We get to be a part of what God is doing. May we never get over that. Of course, we're reminded of that when we gather, but also when we scatter, when we go to our neighborhoods, when we go to our families, when we go to our workplaces, we are continuing the ministry of Jesus as the church. That's what we see throughout the book of Acts in in reality. And so if we are going to do that faithfully, though, if we are going to be the church that continues the ministry of Jesus, if we're going to do that well, and if we're going to do that faithfully, here are some things that we need to be and do. First, we need to be devoted to prayer. The church that we need to be is devoted to prayer. We see this, um, look at uh, chapter 1, verse 14 with me. It says this, All these, this is all the disciples, they've just been named, all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So where we're at here, the disciples have received this promise from Jesus that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And they're in this moment of, I I can't imagine, I mean, they've just seen Jesus go back to heaven. All they have is this promise. And um, it's probably a moment of utter confusion, of, uh, I mean, um, probably utter fear. They don't know what is going on. They don't know what has just happened. And, and, but, but what do we find them doing in these moments of uh, where there might not be the clarity that they want, where there might be a bit of confusion? What do we see that, that first early church doing? Praying. They're praying together. They are devoted to prayer, and they were in it together. It says they were with one accord. They were in this together. Whatever Jesus meant, they were going to trust him, and they were going to pray together. So if we're going to continue the ministry of Jesus, if we're going to be faithful witnesses for Jesus in this world, we as a church must be devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer. That's what we need. We need to be devoted to prayer. Did you know that um, every Thursday morning we have a group of ladies that gathers to pray? Every Thursday. They've been doing it for years. Shirley has led it. You know, Nancy, Carol, Patricia, Amber, M.M., Lois. I know there's some. I'm sure Robin. I'm sure there are others that gather to pray. Every Thursday morning, they're gathered to pray and call out to the Lord. Devoted to prayer. That's what we need. Daryl, we just started a a men's prayer group this morning. They met in my office at 10 a.m. To be devoted to prayer as the men of the church. And of course, we gather together on Sundays and we devote a block of our service uh, to congregational prayer, to pray together, because we know that nothing is going to happen outside of our prayer. We must be devoted to prayer. We need it. Prayerlessness in our individual lives and as a church, prayerlessness is like driving a car on empty. You ever driven a car on empty? Or it's like, I don't know, it's going right now, but this thing might shut down at any minute. You know, it might start getting clunky on you and, you, you know, you got to pull over and, and call some friends to come help you. That's what prayerlessness is like. Like, you, you, we might be able to do this thing for a little bit, but eventually it's going to crash and burn. Prayerlessness, it shows a, a, a lack of dependency on God. Prayerlessness 
uh, demonstrates that we think that we can do it on our own. It shows a sense of pride uh, that, that we think that we, can, that we can manage things well, that we can do it on our own. That's what prayerlessness shows. Instead, to be prayerful is to show our dependence on God, to show that we can't do it on our own, that we need Him to work. This is a reality um, that we need to be. May it never be that we go uh, and, and be a church that is prayerless. May we be prayerful. Acts 2.42 as well, of course, Acts 2.42 through 47 is well-known kind of chunk and passage of Scripture, but Acts 2.42 tells us that these very first Christians, the first 3,000 souls that were added that day after Peter preached his first sermon, it says, then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Acts 4.31, which we read earlier in our prayer time, shows and tells us uh, that when they prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. We need to be a church that prays. We need to pray room-shaking prayers where the Lord sends his Holy Spirit to fill the room where we are gathered. We need men and women empowered by the Holy Spirit asking him to work and to have his way in our church and in our lives. So will you join us in that? Let us be a church that is devoted to prayer. Can we do that? We need to be a church that prays. Next, we need to be a church that is bold in evangelism. Bold in evangelism is what we need to be. The early believers, like we've already said, they prayed for boldness and they shared the gospel with boldness. After Peter's sermon in Acts 2, 3,000 souls were added, and then Acts 2, 42 through 47 describes all that those first believers were devoted to. And one of those things is that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Then in verse 47, it says that, um, Acts 2, sorry, let me get there. Acts 2, 47 says they were appraising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So we see the apostles, they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of the bread, to the prayers. And then after it shows all these things that they were devoted to, that section rounds out with the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, we know from the rest of Scripture, from Paul's writings in Romans, that nobody can get saved unless somebody tells you the gospel. No, nobody can be saved. Um, now, I, I, you know, you've heard, you've heard the phrase... Um, uh, Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Now, that's really nice, but it's actually wrong. Because nobody can, nobody can be saved. Nobody can actually come to a saving faith in Jesus without actually hearing somebody proclaim the gospel to them. So, the first 3,000 Christians, they're gathered together. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the prayers. And the Lord is adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. And we know that nobody can be saved unless somebody tells and speaks, preaches the gospel. So, what we can deduce from that is that these first 3,000 Christians were sharing their faith. They were going out and they were telling other people about what Jesus had done. And the result is that the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. These first believers come to trust in Jesus, and then they go and tell other people about Jesus. And this is how the church grew. Now, um, this is not a 
should not be a novel idea for any of us, but it's what we see. It's the pattern that we see in the book of Acts. And if you and I, if we're going to continue uh, the ministry of Jesus, if we're going to continue in this, uh, then we too must do the same thing. We must be bold in our evangelism. We must share our faith because nobody can be saved without hearing the gospel, without hearing about what Jesus has done. Um, somehow, uh, the reality that the church only grows when Christians tell other Christians—I mean, when Christians tell other people about Jesus—this um, has somehow become a novel idea. And now, everybody, guard your toes, okay? Um, because people's greatest need is still to have their sins forgiven. This reality has not changed in two thousand plus years. That people's greatest need, outside of Christ, is to have their sins forgiven by Jesus. To be reconciled back to God. That is, the, that, is, that is everyone's greatest need in this life. What people need most is to hear the message that their lives are broken because of sin. That they are separated from God and they will experience the wrath of God for all eternity unless they trust in Jesus to save. Everybody needs to hear that message. You must believe that Jesus came and lived a perfect life on your behalf. Took your sin upon himself to the cross. You must believe this message that he rose from the dead and he defeated death and conquered sin so that then his followers could live in freedom and experience a true life in relationship with God. That message, the gospel message in short, is our greatest need. It's what we need to hear, it's what we need to believe, and it's what we need to share with others. And that message, hearing that message and trusting and believing in that message is still your neighbor, your family, anybody that doesn't know Jesus, that is still their greatest need, to have their sins forgiven. I wonder, do you really believe this is people's biggest needs? Do you really believe that th this is the message um, that the church needs to continue to proclaim and the mission that needs to go forward? We proclaim it every Sunday. We, we will proclaim it every Sunday boldly from the pulpit. Um, but what we need to do is when we scatter, we also need to be a people that shares that message. And if we do, if we are bold in our evangelism, the same thing, Lord willing, he will honor it. And what we'll see is the, re the, the result in Acts 2.47 that the Lord will add to our number day by day those who are being saved. If we would be bold in our evangelism, if we would pray for the Lord to give us opportunities to share our faith, this is the result. I trust that it would be, and I pray that it would be. The church grows because Christians boldly share the gospel. We need to be a church that is bold in evangelism. We should have no interest in swapping sheep with other churches. <laughs> you ever heard that phrase, swapping sheep? You know, it's when, it's when somebody else has the, the better show in town. You know, so they, they go there. Uh, because it, you know, tickles their ears a, a little different. Or it meets a certain ne a perceived need that they have. We should have no interest in being the best show in town and swapping sheep. Our interest should be in boldly proclaiming the gospel and seeing the Lord add to our number day by day those who are being saved. Now, <coughs> um, yeah, would it be great to uh, have, um, you know, a, better building, uh, work on a, you know, building up a, a, a student ministry, kids ministry, all, all of those things. We're, we're going to do those things. We're going to do them as well as we can. We're going to work to build them. Uh, but at the end of the day, people's biggest need is to have their sins forgiven. And our call is to be bold 
in our evangelism. Being the best show in town might get us a big crowd, but it doesn't make disciples. So may we be bold in our evangelism as the people of God. I was imagining, uh, I was imagining the book of Acts uh, rewritten to reflect much of American Christianity, particularly in the Bible Belt over the past couple of decades. You know, I was imagining Luke, like, like if, uh, if somehow we could, we could bring Luke up to, to today and uh, have him observe, like, 1990 to 2020, how would he write the, the book of Acts? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what, what the things that, some of the things that he would say? I imagine um, him talking, you know, about how some of the early disciples started going to Mount of Olives Fellowship instead of City of David Baptist Church because they had a better student ministry. Or that one time that Peter stood up to proclaim the word of God, but some people left because he had skinny jeans on, you know. Uh, you know, this is, this is how the book of Acts would read if it, if it was transported to today. Instead of um, people empowered by the Holy Spirit proclaiming the gospel message and seeing people added day by day. Boldly asking the Lord to, to come down to attend their preaching. Instead of our churches being known for bold evangelism, today we would be known for consumerism, just reflecting the culture. What can you do for me? How can you serve me? How can you meet my needs? As opposed to to flipping that around and saying, how can I serve? How can I have the mind of Christ and look not to my own needs but to the needs of others? How can I serve others? How can I love my neighbor as myself? Now, may we as a church, sorry, I'm done with that. You can uncover your toes now after I stomped on them and offended everybody. Uh, May we be a church that is known for bold evangelism and uh, not for consumerism. Next, now, let me go to the other hand, okay? Now that I've poo-pooed on consumerist Christianity. Let me move to, the, to the, other, the other hand. And the other reality is that you and I, what we need to be as a church, what we need to be is a church that takes care of one another. A church that takes care of one another. That's, that's what we need to be and that's what we see in Acts. Church that takes care of one another. I see this in Acts 2, 45, uh, where it says, and they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And then we see this again in Acts 4, 32 as well. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. This is a church. These are a people that are meeting their needs. They're serving one another. They're meeting each other's needs. It's not uh, some early form of communism, but it is a continuing ministry of Jesus through radical generosity. Now, I've seen this happen over and over again within our church, within our body, within our congregation. I've seen needs met over and over and over again. May we continue to be this. May we continue to be a people that meets one another's needs, that takes care of one another, that serves one another, that puts others' needs above our own. May we be known for this. And, uh, you know, the people are just doing it in, in, in Acts here. They're, they're just, they see a need, they meet a need. Uh, they're, they're ready to serve, they're ready to go, they're ready to do it. May this be our reality as well. It's just normal Christians, normal Christians like you and I. If you're, if you're a believer in Jesus, th- these are just normal people who are meeting the needs of other people. You know, Jesus said that um, the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, one another. How we care for one another, how we serve one another in the church is a a part of our witness to a watching world. 
Part of how we continue the ministry of Jesus is to love and care for one another. May we continue to do this. And also in our context, of course, part of that is meeting financial needs and food and and caring for one another within the congregation. But also, I think part of caring for one another is um, more than just financial blessings. I think it looks like uh, teaching others' kids in the kids' ministry, you know. I think it looks like showing up a little early to open a door and be a welcoming face and, uh, and, and to welcome people into to the gathering. You know, these things like that are also how we care for one another, how we serve one another within the body of Christ. Um, there are ample ways to serve. We take care of one another. The church we need to be takes care of one another. And next, in, uh, in an unexpected turn, the church we need to be is not perfect. Let me explain. The church we need to be is not perfect. Um, and I get this from the unfortunate story in Acts 5 uh, with Ananias and Sapphira. Maybe you've, you've heard this, and again, we'll go into detail in a few weeks more uh, about this. But lest we think that the book of Acts is some sort of like golden age of the church, it really wasn't. These are normal people. Normal Christians like you and I who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, but there was still sin in their camp, if you will. Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they lied to God, they held something back, and uh, they died after they lied. This shows that even within the early church, it was not perfect. There were challenges, there were difficulties, there was sin that needed to be dealt with. And this is the Lord, I I believe, in Acts 5, showing us uh, how important... um, how important integrity and honesty are. How important it is to be real and vulnerable with one another. How important it is to confess our sin to one another and pray for one another as a body of Christ. Because if we hold something back, there is um, judgment to be had. And so the Lord teaching us this in Acts 5, that, that we are um, the church we need to be is not perfect, means that you can be who you are here. Meaning... Um, If we can all get a hold on and grasp the reality that none of us deserve it, the the grace that we've been shown by Jesus, we didn't earn it, therefore we don't deserve it, it has been freely given to us. This is the, the gospel message, that you didn't do anything to earn your salvation. And so attending this gospel message is um, a, a, should be a, a gospel culture, meaning that you, you can come as you are, with your sin, with your struggles, with your pain, with your difficulties, and you should be loved and accepted here because um, none of us deserve it either. (laughs) And so this level of humility and this level of care and love for others should um, mark our culture as a church. This is the church we need to be. We know we're not perfect, and therefore we can extend that grace to other people. We don't need to all look a certain way. You know, we don't all need to behave a certain way. We don't all need to you know, kind of fall in line here or there. Of course, we want to honor the Lord with our behavior. We want to we honor God's uh, word. We want to seek to be obedient to him in every area. But the reality is we're all being built up to look more like Jesus. Some of us are more sanctified than others, and that's okay. We uh, accept people where they are, preach the gospel to them, and see them built up and be discipled within our walls. Um, so we're not perfect, and we know it. We're not perfect, and we know it. And that's a good thing. Because any striving to be perfect will ultimately fail and fall. 
so we can show that grace to one another. Lastly, and most importantly, the church we need to be is Christ-centered. Christ-centered. The church we need to be needs to be Christ-centered in its preaching. And uh, I'll commit, as long as I'm shepherding this uh, congregation and, and, uh, and preaching the word, we will be Christ-centered. We will preach the good news of Jesus. We'll declare the whole counsel of God um, that has Jesus as its center. Just like Peter does in Acts 2. That first sermon that was preached, uh, he calls people to repent and believe the good news of Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. We also need to be Christ-centered in our ministry efforts. And this means we don't just do stuff just to do stuff. Right? Remember our, our, call, our call and the whole goal of Acts is that we would continue the ministry of Jesus. That we would make disciples. That we would build people up. That we would teach them all that Jesus commanded. And therefore, if, uh, if there's something that doesn't line up with that, if there's, not something, if there's something that doesn't continue the ministry of Jesus, then we're not going to do it. So we're, we're Christ-centered in our ministry efforts as well. This means we're asking the question, does this further the ministry of Jesus? Is this fulfilling our mission of the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all Jesus commanded? And if it's not, then we don't do it. You know, not that some events and things that we could do are, are bad, but uh, they might not be the mission of the church. So we want to uh, be Christ-centered in everything that we do. Because that's what we do. We're continuing the ministry of Jesus through our church, through you and I. Individual Christians seeking to follow Jesus, seeking to be faithful. You're continuing the ministry of Jesus. We are God's plan A to see people come to know Jesus. We are God's plan A um, to see a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue worshiping the Lamb who was slain by the, before the foundation of the world. We are God's plan A to see that happen. We are God's plan A to see the gospel go forth. And guess what? There is no plan B. So you're it. I mean, look around. This is who we got. This is who we got to see the gospel go forth, to see people discipled, to see the church built up. Here in Conroe, surrounding area, across the nation, across the world, we're it. This ragtag group right here, you know. We can do this. See disciples made. Um, we are God's plan A. We get to be a part of it, though. That's what we're going to see throughout, throughout Acts. This is, Acts is the, the, the ministry of Jesus going forward, and we just continue it right on. We get to be a part of it. Empowered by the Spirit. Devoted to prayer. Bold evangelism. Not perfect, but Christ-centered seeking to make disciples. That's who we are and who we need to be, the church we need to be. We get to be a part of it, so let's go. Are you excited? I am. Okay, come on. Um, there's a report later in Acts 17. It's Paul and the other Christians are uh, boldly evangelizing. They're, they're telling others about Jesus, and it describes them like this. This is a report in Acts 17 when when Paul and, and some of the disciples come to town, they say, these men who have turned the world upside down. In such a short amount of time in the book of Acts, um, just a, probably a couple of decades, uh, ar around that area, people would describe Christianity as having turned the world upside down. And it was the, the, the men, it was the apostles and those first disciples, men and women, who turned the world upside down. Just people. 
normal, everyday Christians, boldly sharing their faith, being devoted to prayer, following Jesus, continuing his ministry, they turn the world upside down. I love that phrase. Because what happens is that Jesus turns our lives upside down, doesn't he? When he comes in, when we receive that radical forgiveness, when we have new life, abundant life found in Christ, it turns our world upside down. And then what happens is through his spirit, he uses us to then go proclaim that message to turn other individual lives upside down. And then what happens is that continues to spread as the ministry of Jesus goes. The whole world is turned upside down. And we get to be a part of it. And we will be if we're a church that's devoted to prayer, that's bold in our evangelism, that takes care of one another, that's not perfect and is Christ-centered. If we do these things, we will have our part in turning the world upside down. So that's what we ask and what we pray for. And um, we're going to wrap up. Our uh, music team's going to, worship team's going to come back out. And uh, we're going to respond in worship. And um, I really want us to pray that these things are a reality for us. And uh, I want to I seek to um, do these things, to work to make that a reality. Uh, that we would be a people that is bold in our evangelism, devoted to prayer, that we would take care of one another and serve one another. And, of course, like I said, our greatest need is to have our sins forgiven and to proclaim that message to a world uh, that is separated from God. And so as we respond in, in worship in just a moment, we're going to have a few uh, prayer partners come forward. And uh, if there's anything going on in your life uh, if you have any neighbors or, or people that you are um, want to share the gospel with, that you feel the Lord laying on your heart to, to go and, and uh, boldly evangelize and build a relationship with, would you come forward and, and, and pray with and for them? And uh, if there's any other prayer needs that you have, uh, I would ask that, that you would come forward and pray while we sing and worship and respond. And of course, um, we always the word of God always demands a response. So... As we open up the scripture, we can respond and sing and worship God for what he has done in our lives. And so I would ask, um, you can assume whatever prayer posture or posture of response you want. I would encourage you to, to stand in worship or to come forward. And uh, We hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. If you'd like more information about Champion Forest Baptist Church, our service times, or how you can get connected, visit us at championforest.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day and God bless.